Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the banks of the Charles River, this is Reporters Roundup. Bringing you the stories, making news right now on WBZ News Radio 1030. WBZ News Time 1230. Good Thursday afternoon to you. I'm Mary Blake, WBZ News. January 18th, Rod Fritz is out today. I'm Mary Blake, and I'm filling in for the next half hour, and these are the stories making news today. A healthy, vibrant elementary school teacher taken suddenly by the flu. I'm Kendall Buell in Swampscott. I'm Bernice Carpuz in Quincy, where representatives of the Health Connector are reaching out to residents here and several other cities. Boston University researchers have new findings into the cause of CTE. I'm Carl Stevens. I'm Adam Kaufman. Tom Brady's hurt, so is it a problem? Boston is on Amazon's HQ2 shortlist. Now what? I'm Tracy Jonke for Bloomberg Business. And the Dow currently down 91 points. This edition of Reporters Roundup is brought to you by Toyota's official website for deals, buyatoyota.com. A very sad day in Swampskid where a longtime, much-beloved elementary school teacher has died from the flu. WBZ's Kendall Buell is in Swampscott, and he joins us now. Kendall, I understand this all happened suddenly. Absolutely, Mary. We're talking about someone uh, who's been described to me as very healthy physically and also someone of a very strong spirit. We're talking about 68-year-old Phyllis Gottlieb, a longtime fine arts teacher at the Clark and Hadley Elementary Schools in Swampscott, an artist, a musician, uh, and by all accounts, a much-beloved teacher, uh, just a very bright light in people's lives. Over the weekend, she started feeling crummy, uh, and it got so bad that by Tuesday morning, she decided to check into the hospital, and then Mary, by Wednesday morning, uh, it was uh, apparent that uh, doctors uh, could not save her. She was surrounded by her loved ones in the hospital room on Wednesday morning, when she passed and were told that it was the flu that killed her. Were there any underlying medical conditions involving um, you know, her health status? Well, there weren't, Mary. And uh, like I said, she was described as a very uh, healthy person physically, uh, an avid exerciser, somebody who's been taking spin classes uh, for 20 years, um, exercises daily, someone at her uh, house told me. Um, she was 68 years old, which, of course, we don't even consider as elderly these days, but it is over that 65-year threshold that we're warned puts people into an increased threat uh, from the flu. And WBZ spoke uh, to uh, Phyllis's son earlier today, and he really did want this to be a, a cautionary uh, tale for folks. Um, I also spoke to a doctor at an urgent care center here in Swampscott today uh, that said that it is so important that if you are starting to feel symptomatic uh, from the flu, especially if you do fall into one of these high-risk categories, that you need to seek 
um, immediate medical attention. This is a particularly violent strain that we're seeing this season um, of influenza, Mary, and uh, it has uh, taken its toll on a, a lot of people. It kills thousands of people across the country every year. Uh, but I can tell you, Mary, that uh, for so many people in Swampscott, uh, Phyllis Gottlieb was so much more than a statistic. This community really hurting to lose this person uh, so suddenly and so uh, unexpectedly. Right. Uh, WBZ's Kendall Buell in uh, Swampscott, the North Shore, this afternoon. And we should also, again, we can't mention it enough, that the flu season extends through April. So it is not too late to get the flu shot. WBC News Time 1237 to business news now, Bloomberg specifically. The list is out. I talk about this. Boston is among the finalists for the new Amazon headquarters. Thousands of jobs and capital investments that come with it. Part of the package, Bloomberg's Tracy Jonke is with us now. And Tracy, what's the next step? Now, Amazon says, Mary, it begins discussions with Boston and the 19 other finalists. Kind of long for a short list, but 238 cities and suburbs submitted proposals for Amazon HQ2, seeking that $5 billion Amazon promises to invest in the project and some 50,000 jobs with an average compensation, including benefits of around $100,000. The competition includes Nashville, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, and the Washington, D.C. area. So the talks give the finalists an opportunity to sweeten their proposals if they're so inclined. And Amazon says it will make a decision later this year. And uh, by the way, the 218 runners-up can send their Amazon applications to Apple, which announced yesterday its plans to build a second campus somewhere in the U.S., Mary. All right, I understand that announcement on that is also expected later this year. Um, Mayor Walsh uh, issued a statement when it comes to uh, Amazon saying that he is thrilled that uh, we made the cut. Hmm. To Capitol Hill now, where the horse trading goes on as the clock ticks down to tomorrow's deadline for members of Congress to keep the government running. Do Republicans have the votes in the House and the Senate? Well, CBS's Stephen Portnoy has been crunching the numbers, taking things uh, in stock, and joins me now. Stephen, what do you think? It remains an open question. In fact, these will be nail-biter votes. There's no doubt about it. Nobody knows how this is going to come out. You have bipartisan opposition to this last-ditch effort to avoid a shutdown, the only measure that's being offered to avoid a shutdown this weekend. You have Republicans who say that they're tired of voting for these short-term stopgaps. This would be the fourth one in the last five months. They say that the military in particular needs additional funding uh, beyond the current spending levels from the last fiscal year, which is what the Pentagon has been uh, subsisting on, if you will, for the last several months. Uh, Democrats have been trying to say that this is the moment for a deal for the Dreamers with DACA provisions that are not in this short-term bill. And so they say, on principle, they're going to oppose it. As a sweetener, House Speaker Paul Ryan has offered in this short-term bill six months of authorization for the Children's Health Insurance Program. That's meant to entice some Democrats to vote for this, and maybe some will. No one wins if the government, in fact, shuts down. Look, this is a midterm election year. Nobody wants the blame for the government shutting down. Uh, the president, uh, just moments ago, as we've been speaking, has arrived at the Pentagon for a meeting, and he just addressed reporters and said that the worst thing about a shutdown would be the impact on the military. Uh, the military, of course, is an essential federal government function, so people who are in the armed forces would continue to work. Civilians in the Defense Department would be furloughed. 
and uh, if they're not deemed essential workers. And the question would be for military families, because paychecks for the military would be held in abeyance, as would paychecks for all federal workers, even the essential ones. Think of TSA agents and uh, FBI agents and other people who would be expected to go to work. They'd have a big question mark as to how they're going to pay their bills if a shutdown runs for a while and if the paychecks don't come as they're expected to come. All right, Stephen Portnoy on Capitol Hill. Well, when we talk about the clock ticking, uh, time is running out for thousands of Massachusetts residents who rely on the state's health insurer to pay health insurance bills. WBZ's Bernice Corpus joins us now from Quincy. And Bernice, I understand there is a public awareness campaign underway? Well, Mary, outreach workers have been uh, reaching out to commuters outside the uh, Quincy Center T station here. They're trying to target those who would be eligible for some state subsidies so that they could have affordable health insurance. Uh, according to a spokesperson for the Mass Health Connector, uh, over 200,000 residents are currently covered uh, through that uh, connector. Uh, and they're hoping that they will re-enroll before the enrollment period ends. And that's the deadline. It's January 23rd. Um, besides Quincy, three other communities that they're reaching out to, I understand? Actually, several communities today, Brockton, Chelsea, Fitchburg, Lawrence, and Worcester, besides Quincy. And the reason why they're targeting those cities is that these are communities with historically higher rates of uninsured. So they're really trying to target those communities to get most people covered through the Health Connector. All right, WBZ's Bernice Corpus. WBZ News Time 1247. Currently sunny skies, 31 degrees. I'm Mary Blake for Rod Fritz today, and you're listening to Reporters Roundup. Among the stories that we've been following and will continue to follow throughout the afternoon, Boston, good news for the city, among 20 cities still in the hunt to become Amazon's second headquarters. The deadline for a government shutdown is tomorrow, and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is criticizing President Trump for leaving town. And uh, coming up on Reporters Roundup, new research on CTE. WBZ's Carl Stevens on that, and he'll have the latest from scientists uh, at Boston University on this type of traumatic brain injury. On Wall Street, Dow is down 94 points. NASDAQ up five. The S&P 500 down three. To sports now, and specifically this afternoon's news conference at Gillette, where the focus undoubtedly will be on Tom Brady's hand. Adam Coffin in the A'sTicket.com sports studio joins me now. And Adam, fill us in. It's an interesting situation, Mary, obviously, because Tom Brady has this right-hand injury now. We don't know the significance of it, how serious it is. There are the various reports out there. Did he suffer a laceration? Did he not? Did he just jam it? We're going to learn more details in all likelihood as the week goes along and find out as today's practice finishes and tomorrow will be at the practice walkthrough how Brady is going to come out of that. Again, news tends to trickle out of Foxborough. You get the reports, but... Nothing has indicated to this point this hand injury is so severe that he can't play on Sunday against the Jaguars. And fact of the matter is, he always plays. The only time that Tom Brady has ever missed any games is the deflategate suspension, which nobody wants to talk about anymore, rightfully so. And obviously, when he missed the 2008 season as a result of that season-opening knee injury. Beyond that, he guts through it. It's not like he's unfamiliar with playing in pain or even playing in pain at this time of the year, be it with a shoulder injury, a knee injury, a hand injury, an ankle, whatever, anything. Yes. Is it problematic to have an injury as 
a quarterback to your throwing hand? Of course it is. But is it at a point where we're going to say, oh my goodness, he's either Brian Hoyer has to play or Tom Brady's going to look like Brian Hoyer? No, I think he's going to be okay. And you always look at home field advantage too, which is what the Patriots mm-hmm. have right now. And uh, crowd support for Brady as he heads out and uh, hits the field. There won't be any shortage of passion in the stands there from the Foxborough faithful, clearly, and Tom Brady at 26-9 and overall, but at home. And I think 18-3 and are those numbers when he's playing in Foxborough in his playoff career and beating the Jaguars a couple of times for whatever that's worth. If I'm going to be concerned at all going into this game, I would be concerned about the fact that, again, that defense is so good on the Jacksonville side, despite what it just looked like against Pittsburgh or did late in the season against Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners. There's right to be concerned over that hand injury, but I don't think it's going to prevent Brady from playing. And even the temperature, you know, we were talking about it a little bit off the air. It's supposed to be a nice weekend, high 50s or something like that. This is weather that Jacksonville players from down there can be a, a little more acclimated to, which is, uh, you know, you'd, you'd like to have them ideally up here in a blizzard. See what happens, and hopefully they can get to their eighth Super Bowl in the Tom Brady-Bill Belichick era. Indeed, Adam Kaufman in the aceticket.com sports studio. Boston University researchers have published new evidence into the cause of CTE, a progressive disease of the brain. WBZ's Carl Stevens spoke with one of the study's lead authors, and he joins me now. Carl, what did they find? The bottom line here, Mary, according to Lee Goldstein, one of the authors here, one of the researchers from Boston University, was pretty eye-opening. You know, we've heard so much about concussions causing CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, a very a very harmful degenerative brain disease. We've heard a lot about it. You know, football players especially, suffering concussions and causing CTE. That was the assumption. But what researchers at BU have found, Mary, is that it's not necessarily concussions, but it's the repetitive head impact, just a repetitive head impact that can lay the foundation because there's internal bleeding and leakage that happens over time, leading eventually to CTE. We're talking about things like people who don't get concussions at all may develop CTE because of hitting a soccer ball time after time after time, getting hit in the head in football time after time after time. And the doctor said this might explain why they are seeing CTE in about 20% of athletes who never suffered a diagnosed concussion. Well, this could uh, have parents thinking twice about whether they want their son or daughter to participate in contact sports. This really could have parents thinking twice about that. And I asked the doctor, and he said, you know, when I was a kid, I really enjoyed playing sports, but we need to think about things like, he mentioned, flag football instead of contact football. We maybe need to think about having a rule in soccer where you can't use your head. Can you imagine? I mean, the most popular sport in the world, and you can't use this. It's going to be interesting to see what the ripple effects are as researchers at Boston University and around the globe get more into the weeds in terms of the cause of CTE. All right, WBZ's Carl Stevens. Joining forces, that's the headline in this case, it involves elite athletes. We've learned that North Korea has agreed to join South Korea for a joint Olympic team for the first time in 11 years. What does this mean? It means the Koreas will parade together during opening ceremonies. This is at the Olympic Games upcoming next month. And joining me to talk about all of this is ABC's Tom Rivers at the Foreign Desk in London. And Tom, first of all, does this have wider significance? Well, I tell you, you know, we've seen it in the past. North Korea will go to the brink and then start to walk back. And maybe, just maybe, is what we're looking at this time. Um, You know, we got, if we can talk about, you know, historically, 
uh, sports opening doors, you think of China, you think of Nixon, you think of ping pong. Well, maybe this Olympic joint team will open the door to uh, more, you know, substantive talks down the road in the coming months, talking about missiles, nuclear programs, sanctions, fill in the blank. But it's got to start somewhere. So this is a good thing. It looks like about 10 athletes, thereabouts, from the North going to be joining the South Korean team. It will be a quote-unquote unified team. So that'll be pretty exciting. Talk about the significance of the Olympics and specifically these opening ceremonies. Well, you know, part of the ethos of the Olympics is to uh, work together to compete peacefully in this kind of hand-in-glove with what we're looking at politically. That's a good, positive thing. As I say, if you can agree on sports, the door is open to maybe talk things through and hopefully agree on other things. So, I mean, it's a good thing. And I would imagine that the crowd will play a key role in terms of the reception that they get. Exactly. Now, the South Koreans are saying, hey, this is good. This, is a, this may portend that uh, we're going to have some good results maybe down the line. In North Korea, guess what? They can still pick up, for instance, radio broadcasts, and they wanted to see their players in the biggest, if you will, sports event on the planet. Uh, if they were held back, you know, that would put uh, their government in a, in a bad light. So it's a win-win situation either side of the border. Fingers crossed everything goes smoothly and uh, something very positive can come out of this. Indeed. We'll be watching ABC's Tom Rivers. Thank you. Well, that's today's edition of Reporters Roundup. We want to thank our reporters on deck, Kendall Buell, Tracy Jonke, Stephen Portnoy, Bernice Corpus, Adam Kaufman, Carl Stevens, Tom Rivers, our producer, Jamie Gallant, editor today, Katie Gallagher, and Andrew Rich in Master Control. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.